This podcast series on marriage and relationships contains a highly sensitive subject matter that's not suitable for children, aka if they're in the car with you, you should turn this off. Also, this takes place partway through the series and may create questions when listened to as a standalone. Please email me at thomas at christcovenant.com if any topics covered need clarification. Thank you for listening. So tonight, I have received, or Heather and I, my lovely wife, have come up with all total 65 questions on relationships. Y'all need help. That's a lot of questions. And so, not everybody does. Some of you are like, I got this. You should listen. Um, So I'm going to breeze through a bunch of these together. Some are going to like compile, some are going to be separate, some will be fun, some are actually really, really heavy. If we don't cover them all, I will look at my clock. You won't have to like walk out and be like, sorry, just tell him I was done. Um, like we'll just, we'll just hit pause and next week is going to be a really, really strong week, I think. Next week, we're going to have a little panel that I'm going to bring up here of some people that are going to be pretty candid with you, myself included, on what it really means to experience sexual brokenness and sexual healing. And if you are like, that's not me, well, you probably sit next to someone who is, who's experienced stepping outside of God's boundary. So the very first week, theology of marriage. Last week, theology of sex. In the middle, a biblical story of how that plays itself out. Those are all great if you've remained in the circle. But many of us have stepped outside of that circle. And the question is, can I get back in? How do I get back in? How much of that follows me? Is it ever going to go away? Will I ever win this battle? What does that look like? And I'm not just talking about pornography, although that's a really big thing that we're going to talk about. We're gonna, it's, it's going to be great. So I encourage you to come next week. And, uh, and I, think you're, I think it's actually a good night to bring somebody who uh, you know is, is in that world or broken or they're trying to figure out how do I get out of this or they're like, hey, I just became a Christian and yes, I've got a past, but I'm like a new person and what does that look like? I think it's going to be very helpful for you. It's also going to be helpful for you if you've stayed in God's plan in general because you need to know what in the world is it going to be like because more than likely you will marry someone if you get married, if you've stayed in God's plan, who to some degree has not. Satan has a real stronghold in the world of sex and sexuality, and so I think it's really important for us to talk about it, and I think it's important for us to talk about things candidly. So tonight, let's start. Let's start with uh, the Gale Shapely algorithm versus the attractional method. Do you know the Gale, uh, the Gale Shapely algorithm? Well, that's because none of you went to Stanford, apparently. Uh, in 2017, a Stanford student developed an algorithm, and they started emailing and texting people and said, hey, sign up on this certain day, I'm going to release it. And they basically said, this is your fallback plan for who you can marry if you turn 30 and you're not married yet. And it's based solely on belief systems and core values. And they try to partner people up. Now, obviously, it's secular. It's not sacred. They'll, they'll pair up same-sex people. They'll, they'll pair up uh, all kinds of different folks. So it's got a, sac- or a secular bent to it, not a sacred bent. 
But the funny thing is, NPR just did a release on it. One of you sent it to me. I thought it was funny. I texted a friend of mine who went to Stanford, and I said, were you there when this happened? And, uh, and she texted back and said, no, she's married to another buddy of mine who they live in Peru, and one day we're going to do a mission trip there and we can travel again. But anyway, we were talking back and forth. Basically, the idea of arranged marriages are coming somewhat back into fashion. So I'd like for you to pull your phones out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and so what if, though, what if we went to that system? What if we went to the system of arranged marriages? Some of you are like, H-E double hockey sticks, no. Like, I'm not doing it. Because what if your parents had to pick for you? Some of you are like, they probably would pick pretty good. Some of you are like, they've been telling me for years who to marry. Uh, but we don't currently, in 2021, live in an algorithmic-based, predetermined, here's the person you ought to marry system. You are pretty much all going to marry on an attractional system. That, my friends, is playing with fire. You can't trust yourself half the time to know if you wore the right thing. I can't either. So we need help, especially when it comes to these relationships. It's a big risk that we take. So let's roll through. Proverbs 18.22 says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. When I, uh, when I met Heather, I had read that verse and memorized that verse and highlighted it, and I was like, amen to that verse. So on that note, I'll pray for us as we get rolling. Lord, I pray that you would help us tonight. Help us tonight to hear from you as we do kind of a Proverbs-type look at a bunch of different common everyday questions. And yet, Lord, we want to know your answers to the questions, not just opinion or thoughts. And so, Lord, I ask that you would just help us to hear from you and to get some clarity in the way of relationships. And Lord, uh, just on my heart right now is there's probably a few folks here who are in a relationship that they shouldn't be in. I ask that you would give them the strength, even if they don't personally have it, if they need to walk away from that, to do so. I lift this up in Jesus' name, Father. Amen. Okay, my encouragement, Christ's covenant. Don't just learn all the things. Live out life with God. In him we live and move and have our being, is what Paul said. Not in him we study and learn and can learn a checklist. That's a pseudo-God worship. That's really a worship of self-secured life, with a theology of walk by sight rather than by faith. So if I acquire all the knowledge about God to live the Christian life, so be, care be careful that I don't arrive at the place of not needing God because I already know how to carry on. I don't care about your sacrifices, your learnings, etc. is what David says in Psalm 51. The Lord says, I want your heart. Let me, let me break that down for you. Some of you have asked some really good relationship questions. Some of those questions I can't answer for you. Even if I give a general answer tonight, even if I back it up with some Bible verses, sometimes you need to hear from the Holy Spirit. You can't just learn the Bible verses and learn a formula and think, okay, now that I know these things, I can plug them in and I can just do. The Holy Spirit is deeply involved in friendships and relationships and romances. 
And you and I, we need to hear from him, especially in our relationships. You can meet another Christian person that meets all the qualifications on your list and still have the Holy Spirit tell you it's not the time. It's not the person. It's not the way to do it. And we don't want to do what the scriptures call quench the Holy Spirit. We want to instead listen to the Holy Spirit. So let's roll in. One of the questions or one of the thoughts was pornography and lust and fornication and adultery. Those are the first one can be related to the others. Lust, fornication, and adultery. By the way, if before I finish the question, fornication and adultery. Fornication would be what would happen uh, if you were hooking up with somebody outside of marriage. Adultery is what happens when either you're in marriage and you hook up with somebody or you hook up with somebody who is married. And the Bible makes a, di a, a differentiation between those two. So porno pornography and lust and fornication and adultery and their effects. Does 1 John 1.9 apply? Is there hope? 1 John 1.9, uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If I have committed adultery, if I have committed uh, fornication, if I have looked at pornography, does 1 John 1.9 apply to that? Kinda. 1 John 1.9 is a salvation verse. When I come to the Lord and I confess my sins to him, I am born again. He does not hold them against me. God is not able to hold my sins against me if he has forgiven me my sins. But 1 John 1.9 is a verse that we throw out sometimes and we think it's the magic eraser to get rid of my sexual sins. And so I'm going to table this one and next week we're going to come back and talk about 1 John 1.9. Does it apply? And how do I get rid of that uh, sexual past that I have or my, my significant other has or potentially will have and, but to answer the last question, is there hope? Yes. There's absolutely hope. You, through the power of the Holy Spirit, don't have to say, it's been two weeks since I looked at that stuff. Or me and my boyfriend, we haven't hooked up in like a month. And feel like you are like, okay, but, but at some point we will crash again or I will look at that again. You, the Lord can give you total freedom in this area. But we'll talk more about that next week, which I think is going to be great. Okay, how to explain my emotional and physical boundaries to people. 1 Peter 3.15. Uh, are you going to put these up, Lewis? Are you putting like 1 Peter 3.15 up? Oh, man, this is great. Wow, look at that. Okay, so how to explain my emotional and physical boundaries to people. 1 Peter 3.15 is such a great verse for a lot of things. It's, an, it's, it's got the word apologia in there. But in your, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have that is in you, and yet do this with gentleness and respect. Some people are going to go out with you, or they're going to ask you out, or they're going to say somebody at work is going to say, you know, there's just water cooler talk, and you're talking, and they're going to say, what about you? What about you and your girlfriend? Do you guys, you know, do you do stuff? Do you hook up? Do you whatever? And you're going to have to be able to give an answer to someone who is not a Christian about why you behave the way you do. Some of you in your workplaces at Delta and Coke and so on are getting a whole lot of pressure on how to be like the rest of the world and be super inclusive. And you're going to have to be able to give an answer. And so I can give you some resources on specific questions, but there's a bunch of different specific questions. 
But in general, this is always the formula when you give an answer to anyone. You have a hope in you, not a condemnation. And so you want to speak to the freedom that the Lord gives you with gentleness and respect. The temptation will always be as you get backed into a corner to finally show your claws, to snarl and show your fangs and to come after folks or to lose your cool. You want to share with folks what your boundaries are with gentleness and respect. Now, obviously, I'm not talking about it's late one night and girls, you're in a car with a guy and you're having to explain yourself and he's getting real creepy. That's like a little bit different. That's like with gentleness and mace. Um, like you wanna, like, you know, that's, that's a little bit different in that moment. I'm speaking of a civil conversation or a workplace conversation and it's okay. The rest of the world can tell you their beliefs. It is perfectly okay with gentleness and respect for you to tell them your beliefs. Don't get bullied intellectually thinking, well, if I say this, I'll fail at this or I'll fail at that. There is a kind way for you to tell what you believe and why you believe while keeping the dialogue open. Let's press on. What are my emotional and physical boundaries outside of marriage? Hebrews 13.4 says, the marriage bed should be honored by all. The adulterer and the immoral will be punished. So adultery and immorality... Both of those will be punished. So my, uh, my emotional and physical boundaries, well, I probably shouldn't be naked with someone. I probably shouldn't be touching their chest or their butt or their crotch. I probably shouldn't be thinking about touching their chest or their butt or their crotch. I probably, uh, I probably shouldn't be talking to them about that. I probably shouldn't be sending pictures to them. I probably shouldn't be asking for pictures from them. Uh, I probably shouldn't be, well, we'll get into that one in a minute. Um, so 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 6, we looked at that passage last week. It's a great passage. If you want to take notes or just snap a picture of this, these are all great references. 1 Timothy 5, 2. I love 1 Timothy 5, 2. Let's put that one up there. Can we do that? Lewis, you're a wizard back there. Let's hear it for Lewis. Yeah. So 1 Timothy 5, 2. This is my go-to verse for most all things for fellows. Treat older women as mothers and treat younger women as sisters in all purity. Look, my emotional and physical boundaries as a guy should be like, this is my little sister or this is my mom. That automatically should like cue up a few hundred things that you're not, are not going to happen. You should be like, sweet, it's my sister. Like, you know, like, like to hold her hand, you should be like, whew, it's a big deal. We're like crossing some weird lines here. Like what this is doing though, what this verse is doing is it's reminding me of my eternal place with brothers and sisters in Christ. When Heather and I die and we go to heaven, we will no longer be husband and wife, but we will be brother and sister in Christ. My ex-girlfriends who are Christians who I really pray never come to the same church that I met because of some of the stupid things I did, and the ways I treated them, they wouldn't want to see me, and they probably, I probably wouldn't want to see them. Actually, I would like to reconcile some of those things, and I have. That's another story for another day. I have reached out to multiple people and tried to reconcile things and ask for forgiveness. I so wish I would have thought of the eternal spot that that sister has, and not the momentary lustful thoughts that I had for her as something else. 
So side note, girls, if you want to educate a boy one day, you can just be like, you know, we're going to be in a relationship forever. And he might be like, whoa, time out. You can be like, yeah, as my brother in Christ, we will be brother and sister in heaven. And you know what? It should make him pause. Fellas, you should pause and you should think. All these cute girls in the room tonight, you know what? One day, you're not going to see him quite like that anymore. You're going to see him as incredible creations the Lord has made as your sister in Christ. And therefore, we ought to treat women different. Therefore, we will get into flirting and all that kind of stuff in just a little bit. Physical boundaries, though, we'll talk about that too. What are my emotional and physical boundaries outside of marriage? Um, wait, did I talk about in marriage? No, that's the next one. Okay, look at the bottom part of this question. In marriage, what are my boundaries? You know what? In marriage, did you know the Bible speaks to marriage boundaries? For instance, if I like wanted to try something crazy in the bedroom with Heather, I would go to her and I would say, Heather, I want to try something crazy. And some of you are like, I'm going to look at the floor now. That's fine. You can still hear me. <laughs> if I said, Heather, I want to try something crazy, she might be like, how crazy are we talking? And I might say, I don't know, X, Y, and Z. And she might be like, she might be like, well, that kind of sounds fun. And like, we might could try it. But if I told her, let's try it while you're on your period, that actually crosses some biblical boundaries. These are things you'll never hear in church. If I said, hey, let's try something anal, that actually crosses biblical boundaries. You see, God keeps special things special. What if I just said, Heather, I want to try uh, something other than the missionary position. I hear that Christians can do other things. And what if she said, Where'd you hear that from? And I'm like, I don't know. Some of the guys at the office were talking. She'd be like, we're going to a new church. No, I'm just kidding. She, uh, and she said that. And I said, I don't know. Let's try something else. If she said, I'm not comfortable with something other than the missionary position. Do you know what the Bible teaches? The Bible teaches in 1 Corinthians 7 that her body is my body and she has to do what I say. But then instantly it says, and my body is hers and I have to do what she says. The weaker opinion wins in marriage. We don't bully people in to sexual things in marriage. It's a beautiful protection system that the Lord has put in. I'll give you real practical something. Maybe one of you did something with somebody and you wish you had never done that thing with that person. And every time you, that thing comes up in conversation or whatever, you're like, oh man, it just takes me back to that time in life. And you can tell your spouse one day, here's one thing I can't do with you. And it's totally within bounds. You don't have to learn to love something that you hate. You don't have to go back to that place. There are beautiful bounds within Christian marriage. Nobody told me that. I had to figure that out. Okay, so we'll just keep going. There's so many other things to say. Okay, okay. when to tell all before marriage. James 5 says, confess your sins to one another. It is talking about an elder moment there, but confess your sins to one another. So, but then what does it mean to tell all? Should I share names and specific experiences? Can you imagine me going to Heather and being like, Heather, let me tell you about this one girl in high school. It was awesome. We were hooking up. She looked really good, blah, blah. Can you, Heather would, I would not have teeth, right? Like it would be, and it would be like, do you think she wants to know the names of the girls? 
Do you think she wants to see pictures of them? Do you think I should have pictures of them on my phone? Do you think I should follow them on social media? The answer is no. In my opinion, and I think my opinion has a lot of wisdom around it because I've made mistakes in the past, and I'm telling you from a guarded standpoint, there are, there are things, there are questions you may want answers to that you really don't want the answers to. For instance, how many times with that person did you do that thing? It's probably not going to help you to know, and it's probably not going to help them to tell. Now, do you need to know if a person is a virgin? Yes. Do you need to know if they struggled with pornography? Yes. Do you need to know if they've had same-sex attraction stuff going on? Yes. Do you need to know if they've experimented with other stuff? Yes. Do you need to know if they, like, you know, really did pass college? Yes. They're all the same. Like, you need to know all those things. There's some things that, like, you don't get to keep anymore. When you choose to get into a relationship, you have to give up. But specifics... I would say avoid those deep, detailed specifics. I wanted to know, by the way, Heather and I both have a past. You'll hear a little bit about that next week. I wanted to know all kinds of details. But a friend of mine who was in uh, a recovery program from internet pornography, I told him, I was like, I want to know the stuff. I want to know the details. I want to know who because I want to kill some people. And like, I want to just find them and hunt them down. I want to bury them deep and like dig them up every once in a while and punch them. Like, I want to just, like, I just kind of went on this little tirade. And he said, he said, you don't want to know. I said, what do you mean? He said, you don't want to know. He said, in fact, when we have full disclosure in our counseling program, a third person is brought in if we're married. Because a lot of times in his case, it was all men in his group. So all the married guys would have to meet at some point with their wife and they would have to have full disclosure on their sexual promiscuity that they had had. And he said, there's a counselor in the room with us. And when we share, the wife can ask any question she wants, but the counselor there is the barrier to say, you need to answer that question, or you don't need to answer that question. You don't want to know the answer. What you need to know is, who am I going to be with here? Who is this person? What kind of things are they bringing with them into this relationship and marriage? Um, how soon should you do that is another question for in a few minutes. Okay, so what do you do if I've, uh, what to do if I've been protected, but he or she has stepped out of God's sexual plans? Well, 1 Corinthians 6 talks about the dangers of stepping outside of God's plan. It talks about how when you step outside of God's plan, you're actually prostituting Christ as you become one with another person. And so if you've stepped out of, if that person has stepped out of God's plan and they've confided that in you, uh, Romans 12, at the end of it, I think it's 12, 13, says to be at peace with all people as best as you can you have a choice here. Some people, I think, think the Christian thing is, well, I have to just date them then. I have to just say, okay, this is damaged goods and I'm going to be with this person. They've been honest with me. I should receive them. You have a choice here. If you have been protected, and that's the Lord's doing, if you've been protected and you've stayed in his plan, you don't have to say, okay, I guess this is my lot in life. I'll go out with this person. I'll end up marrying them. I think that is a benevolent message, but you totally have a choice. However, if you're on the flip side of that and you're telling the person, 
you need to know they have a choice. This could be a deal breaker, what I'm about to tell them. That's why this conversation is a big deal. Now, let's go back to the person they tell. And uh, they tell you, you, if you do decide to end it with them, that's why I put Romans 12 on there. You need to be as gentle as you can be if you decide to end it with them because of that. And whatever they have divulged to you, you need to make sure that you are a vault. No one else ever needs to know, assuming things were done properly, no one needs to know what they divulge to you, and you need to be able to assure them, hey, this was a deal breaker for me. I'm really sorry, but I want you to know what you've shared with me is safe. Uh, so that goes into the next line here. Is it okay to marry someone that isn't a virgin? If so, what signs need to be present to ensure that this person is a renewed, recommitted virgin? I'm going to get into that next time. Is it okay to marry someone who isn't a virgin? Yeah, it totally is okay. We have a whole book of the Bible about it. It's called Hosea. It's totally okay. What you really want to look for is not as much what the person has done as who the person is. That's what you're really looking for. If we were all judged on what we had done, like none of us would ever make it into the kingdom of the Lord. We want to look at who the person is. Uh, okay, fun question. To what extent can a girl pursue a guy? I forgot guy on there. <laughs> she, can she pursue? And why is this a thing? Uh, how, what, so girls, let me just talk to you for a second. Girls, if there's a fellow that you really like and you're like, what a mustache, you know, like what a mustache. If you're like, man, I really like this guy. He's awesome. Uh, yeah, he's just, he just makes me light up, but he doesn't know that I exist. Girls, you can totally let him know that you exist. And I mean that biblically, like all of Ruth 3, you can totally let him know that you exist. You can let him know that you'll go out with him and he would just ask but there's a hard, fast line where at some point you just have to stop. What part of this is just dignity? Let him know if he's like, er. and by the way, Adam was what when Eve was made? Asleep. We still are. Like sometimes we just need help. We need to know like, oh, oh, wow. Sometimes we don't even know that you would like us. Like, we're just like, this is amazing. She has like eyebrows. She likes me. Like, our, sometimes we're just like amazed that we can like get a girl's attention at all. And so you can let him know, but at some point after a, like after it's clear, not at some point, after it's clear, and Ruth made it very clear. She made it clear, not like, I like you. She made it clear, I'll marry you. But after that, it was totally up to Boaz to make the move. What happens if you press on and you coerce the guy into going out with you and liking you and marrying you and all those things is you will probably end up being the wife who gets the family up for church the wife who makes the kids go to church, the wife who, you'll probably end up being the person the rest of your life who is trying to make the move of dragging them along. So that's why you just make a hard, fast stop and you say, yep, I'm interested in you. Are you going to ask me out? And if he says yes, awesome. 
Then you get to evaluate, do I like this guy? And if he doesn't respond, move on. There are more fish in the sea. Okay, uh, girls, how sexy should you be? 1 Peter 3, 3 is a great verse. Guys, how flirty and ladies is enough versus too emotionally defrauding. Uh, Proverbs 4, 23, 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 6, 1 Timothy 5, 2. And how do you discern between flirting and joking? This was a great question. Um, I just want to say, girls, for you, as far as like the, the, the M word, modesty, all that, I just, I think you do a really good job in this crowd. I know we can all grow, but this is not one of those like, you need to dress different, look different. I just think in general, and Heather and I were talking about this, you, you ladies in general do a really good job in here of not drawing attention just to your figure, but you really do a good job of being a light for the Lord. And so I think you do, you, you do great with that. If you do draw attention mainly to your figure, a lot of times there's uh, a deflated or inflated ego, as one of you helped me understand in, uh, in helping me think through this question. I appreciate some of you helping me think through these questions. And that's, that's something that goes beyond just getting a guy's attention. That goes deeper than that. And we'd love to try to help you if you're like, you know what, that's me. I know that's me. Now, guys, how flirty can you be? You can be flirty enough to know, like to let her know you like her. But don't be flirty with like 10 other girls at the same time. I heard an amen. <laughs> Too flirty is, I think he likes me. And then you look over and you're like, or maybe he likes her. Or maybe her, or maybe her, or maybe her. Like, that's too flirty. That's disingenuous. At that point, you're just emotionally defrauding girls. You're just seeing how many you can pick up and how many can like, like you. That's the Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for from it flows the, the things of life. And so I think, guys, you want to help guard a girl's heart. You don't want her heart like wandering back and forth. Like, is he interested? Is he not? Is he interested? Is he not? Like that takes them away from their true focus, which should be the Lord. Here's a thought. If you like her, tell her, hey, I like you. If she says, I don't like you, you will still be breathing. It'll be fine. You can even still go to church together. You can be like, remember? And then in a couple of months, you'll be like, remember that time I told you that? And you're like, yeah, I remember that. And y'all will laugh and be like, ha ha. And that'll be that. It'll be great. And I'll tell it from up here at some point. Um, and so I think between flirting and joking, how do you distinguish between the two? Uh, fellas, this, is, this one was directed to you from some of the ladies. Guys, I just think like communication is caring. Another, mm, all right, there we go. Okay, I think communication is caring. If you, if you think, I like this girl, you can say to her, I think we might have a good time going out. And then you can even be bad from there and be like, like do you like food? Like, do you eat? Like, because sometimes that's how you guys ask. I've heard you. I heard some of you on the ski trip flirting with people and you were like, do you eat? But in your, in your mind, in your mind, I think you were saying, would you ever want to go eat with me? <laughs> it's not what came out, but it was amazing to hear. I was just, uh, Blake Rogers and I were sitting in the back just listening and laughing. We were like, I think he likes her and he likes her. I was like, yeah, what did you hear him say? And he was like, 
Um, oxygen is good. <laughs> like, does that mean you want to go for a walk? What does that mean? So, flirt a little bit, have some fun, but at some point, make things clear. And girls, the best way to make things clear is just to like leave him alone, make him chase you down. Like, and then you can just say, you know, you find me all the time. Why? And totally see what he does. It'll be amazing. All right. <clears throat> okay. Let's see. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move through just a couple of these. I'm probably not going to answer a couple of these. Um, let's see, because we're going to hit some of these next week. Let's go to, ooh, let's go to this one. Can I go on vacation alone with my significant other? According to Instagram, yes. Here's the deal. When I have other grown-ups in the church ask me about some of you and where you went and what you're doing, which happened this afternoon, I would say, this is me speaking and not the Lord. I, I don't know how in the world Heather and I could have been like, hey, we're going to go to 30A for the weekend, just the two of us. Like, I would have had to found a chapel and get married if I wanted to stay, like, pure. I just don't know how you travel with somebody, and it just is really, it's kind of impossible for me. And I know some of you are like, oh, no. Like, they posted that picture, and he's talking about them. I literally have no one in mind. I would just say no. No. How in the, if you can do that, if you can, like, go on vacation with them, just the two of you, and not do anything sexual, you have a problem. <laughs> like, if you really like them, you should be like, I would like you better naked. Like you, like, I would like you better naked. Like we should be naked. Like that's, that's what couples do when they go on vacation together. All right. That's why your parents left you with your grandparents. That's why you have little brothers and sisters. And that, amen, Jordan. Amen. Jordan has five kids. They've been on five vacations. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to answer like one or two more, and then I'm going to say, so look, just don't do that, all right? Um, oh, that's a good one. Okay, I'll answer two more. Uh, when and why to break up. By the way, if you are going to go on vacation with them, don't post it. That is stupid. All right, because I'm going to be thinking, what are they doing? They'll have to call you, and they'll take it out of my day, and I, like, it'll be very inconvenient. Um, Okay, here we go. When and why? If you do go on vacation, at least put pictures of the other people you're with so I don't think you're on vacation just with them. Just be like, and by the way, here's one picture of the other folks. Okay, back to us. All right. When and why to break up with her, with him. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says, love keeps no record of wrong. Does that apply to dating relationships? The heart of this question, I trimmed a bunch of it down, but the heart of this question is, I'm dating someone, I'm a good Christian person, I love Jesus, I read my Bible, I have my quiet time, I pray, and things aren't going great. 
and they haven't, they've kind of misbehaved or haven't been a great person, should I just keep forgiving them because love keeps no record of wrongs? That's actually called marriage. That's when you have like a giant eraser and every day you're like, I'll let that go. I'll let, this is, I'm, this is Heather doing that. This is Heather like erasing it. Like really, love keeps no record of wrongs. And that's a whole nother sermon in and of itself. It's an incredible deal because it doesn't mean you can't talk about those things. It doesn't mean you can't wrestle through those things. But at the end of it, it's up to you to make sure you let those things go. In a dating relationship, since we don't have uh that algorithm dating process here, since we don't have that and you're choosing based on attraction, you can totally break up with someone if you're like, hey, th three strikes and you're out. You can totally break up with them. Now, you can't be bitter with them afterwards, but you can totally break up with them. So let's make sure that when we read the Bible, we see it as a book that's either talking about people who are going to get married when it's talking to relationships or people who are married in relationships. It's not talking about dating. So we have to pick and choose and pull a bunch of the stuff and say, how does that apply to dating? The closest thing we have is that little detail in, in some of the Old Testament stories. In Ruth, we have a little detail, like maybe a dating, courting relationship relationship. Uh, some of, the, some of the stories in Genesis, there's a little bit of that. But in general, most of these verses are talking about just relationships in general or marriage relationships. And so, yeah, you can totally break up. Why do breakups hurt so bad? I think breakups can hurt as bad as a human death. Most of the time when they hurt as bad as a human death, though, we probably have stepped outside of God's plan and particularly in the sexual way. If I had two paper hearts up here and I glued them together in front of you, in my mind I brought them with me, but I didn't. If I had two paper hearts and I glued them together here, that's the picture of two people when they come together and they have sex. And then if I separated those two hearts, neither heart would stay whole. And so when you've stepped outside of God's plan and you have sex with someone or you do something sexual with them, it hurts even worse when the two of you come apart. And that is a picture of how things are not supposed to be. And that's part of the reason that when the two become one, let no man separate that. So when the two become one outside of a marriage relationship especially, and it gets separated, there will be blood and tears, and it is not good. But can you heal from that? You can totally heal from that. And it's by the grace of Christ that you can completely heal from that. Okay, I'm going to do one more, and then I'm going to wrap it up. Okay, how long should we date? It's a great question. If you're 16, like a long time. Um, if you're 25, 12 months, and you ought to know I'm marrying them, or I've been procrastinating breaking up for three months. If you can't tell within a year, like, I think something's probably wrong there. I think you can totally tell within a year. Unless there's some major thing going on that's resulting in some healing. And if that's the case, it can take a little bit longer. But in general, if you have been dating your significant other for over one year, you need to tell them to fish or cut bait or you'll do it for them. 
Don't waste your life away. It is time to move on. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 7. As I'm going to read us a couple of verses, and we're going to wrap up. Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 25. My Bible has the heading to the unmarried and the widowed. Now concerning the betrothed, that's a great word, betrothed. Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one by whom the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Well, don't seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek seek a wife. But if you marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Thanks, Paul. Uh, Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of the world is passing away. And I want you to be free, verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. The married man is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to please the Lord. I'm sorry, the unmarried man. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And... If anyone thinks he's not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do it as he wishes. Let him let them marry as it is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. And yet my judgment is she is happier if she remains as he is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. I want to just encourage you. If you are currently single, Paul says you're in the best state you can be. You can be unhinged for the Lord. If the Holy Spirit put on your heart to move to Papua New Guinea, you could do it. If he put on my heart to move to Papua New Guinea, I've got to convince Heather, and then I probably need to convince her dad, and then I probably need to convince like other folks, like, hey, I'm taking, we're going, like, it's a whole nother ball of wax. My encouragement to you in doing this relationship series is not, you ought to get married because life's better on the other side. My encouragement to you is, do you see how complicated this all is? 
confession and what you can do and can't do and like how to honor the person, how to not be, how like the flirting, all this stuff. Like this is super complicated. I would rather be teaching on the attributes of God right now. But most of us are going to choose to get married. And if we're going to do it, I want us to choose well and choose wisely. But in the meantime, your lives can be leveraged for the Lord like at no other time. I want your parents, I want your friends to look at you and say, you are like a force to be reckoned with. You're sharing Christ with people. You're worshiping. You're like spending money to go on a church retreat just to like hang out with folks and worship. And like, then you're going on a mission trip, which I hope we can organize in the fall. And then like, what are you, like you're at your work and you're known as like little Jesus at work. Uh, what is up with you? And you know what? You don't have to go to bed at night and think, I'm so lonely, or I just wish he would call, or I wish she would just decide, or let the Lord handle that. Put it in his hands, and you just live full on for him. Live full on for him like I cannot. And I have a great godly wife who wants to be full on for the Lord. Jordan over there. He's got a great godly wife who wants to live full on for the Lord. I have less constraints than Jordan because Jordan has five kids. If Jordan's like, I'm moving to Papua New Guinea, I feel the Holy Spirit moving me, his kids would be like, nope. <laughs> and it would be the right thing for him to stay and take care of his kids and provide for them and get them an education and all the things. You don't have that. So leverage your lives now like you never will be able to later if you do get married. Stay pure. Walk with the Lord as best you can. And you know what? You'll be running your race. Somebody else will be running the race. You'll be like, I like you. They'll be like, I like you. And then they'll fall off. And you'll be like, I got to keep running. <laughs> and like you're on lap two and here comes somebody else. And like, you're just running for the Lord. And you're like, you're running for the Lord? And they're like, I'm running for the Lord. Like, we run like old people. Like, yeah. Um, but you just keep on running. And, you know, eventually, maybe, as you're running towards the Lord, somebody keeps up with you. Make them keep up with you. Don't stop and go back for them. And if that works out, and you two really start liking each other, and you like each other in, like, like each other ways and your passions are burning, as Paul says, then get hitched. You've done no sin. But he says you're in the best spot right now. So I just want to pray that you will embrace that and you'll love that. And some of you are, and so I just want to pray that you will stay with that encouragement. Let me pray for us. Father, there's so many things to talk about because relationships are really complicated. And I believe the heart of the gospel is to free us Lord, you say in 1 John 5, 3, that the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. Lord, you put up these rails on the sides of this road that we're on to keep us from harm. So Lord, help us to appreciate your guardrails that you've put up. And Lord, for the folks in the room that are single, which is most of us, I ask that you would show them the joy of only having to answer to you. 
that, Lord, even if they meet an incredible person,